Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Genesis chapter 33. I got my Bible tonight. Didn't have to borrow it from anybody. It was in my office right where I keep it. Amen. So that was comforting. Amen. This evening to be able to grab the word of the Lord as we're headed towards a a new year. uh, If you've not considered reading your Bible, maybe day by day, it might be a good time to start being reflective about possibly reading the word of the Lord this coming year. And I'm not even challenging you to read the whole thing through in a year. I just challenge you just to read it through and start. Amen. Just read it through and start. Go through the tough days of the begats. Do it. If it's difficult, get your phone out. Let your phone read to you as you follow along. I'm serious. As you follow along with it. And uh, get, get, get to reading the word. Uh, again, as we look toward the new year, if, if the embers of prayer have burned low or cold, you know, give consideration to finding a spot each day to have a conversation with God. Amen. And uh, to be able to bear our soul unto Him and hopefully reciprocating, He bear His soul unto us. Amen. Genesis 33. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture here. I admit to you tonight that these verses of Scripture in my mind, whenever I first started this journey, was going to be something totally different than what's coming forth right here tonight. All right? That happens from time to time. Uh, And so that's happened on me uh, for this. So if it starts sounding like I'm preaching two sermons, it's probably because the first one's trying to come back. And uh, Genesis 33, verse 12. And we're diving in the middle of a story uh, here concerning Jacob and Esau. And that's very easy to do in the book of Genesis. Um, I mean, the story of Jacob covers about a quarter of the book of Genesis. So... If you're going to start anywhere, you're probably going to start somewhere in Jacob's story. You know, the Bible says in he, the he is referring to Esau. And he said, let us take our journey and let us go and I will go before thee. Verse 13. And he, the he here is Jacob. Jacob said unto him, my Lord, knoweth that the children are tender. And the flocks and herds with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant. And I will lead on softly according as the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able to endure until I come unto my Lord unto Sierra. This is whenever Jacob and Esau have rejoined. This is the meeting of their reuniting after Jacob has been gone for many years. And this is part of the conversation that they had with one another. For a little while tonight, and I need the help of the Lord, the help of the Holy Ghost. I just want to speak to us tonight this, separated at birth separated at birth amen 
Would you ask God to help me tonight? Pray for me here this evening. Father, I come, Lord Jesus, to you tonight. We need you, Lord. We need your spirit. We need your aid, your help. God, we stand totally, Lord, ineffective and not efficient. But, Lord, if your spirit could just come alongside us, your spirit could just aid us. Let it not be my voice heard. Let it not be the familiar voice of Paul McGee. But, Lord, if perhaps the voice of heaven could speak, if we could just pull our legs up under the table of heaven tonight, God, give us the strength, Lord Jesus, and the diligence, God, to hear and obey, Lord, the word of the Lord, the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Twin brothers, twin brothers they are, Jacob and Esau. Their lives and relationship have been marked and had been marked by struggle. They've been marked by tension right up to this moment of the reunion of Jacob with his brother Esau. The Bible tells us that they struggled together in Rebekah's womb. Tensions rose between these two boys whenever their father was dispensing the blessings upon their individual lives, which ultimately led to Esau vowing and making a pact, as it were, to kill his brother when the opportunity presented itself. He thought to himself that he would wait till his dad had passed and then he would act out the hate and uh, the revenge that was in his heart. And so as Jacob is returning home in this moment with a reunion with his brother, he is returning home with caution. He is returning home with great carefulness as he's coming back to the place where his mother and his father lived. Jacob and Esau are twins, but they are absolutely two different people according to the word of the Lord. Even God's response to Rebekah about their struggle while they were yet in her womb and what she was experiencing was explained to Rebekah by God when he told her that two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And as these two issued forth their lives and the way in which they conducted and lived their lives told the story of the truth of the words that God had spoken unto Rebekah. The Bible describes that Esau was a cunning hunter. He was a man of the field, whereas Jacob, was a plain man. The, the Hebrew actually is that he was a wholesome man dwelling in tents. The Bible says in Genesis 25 and verse 28 on the matter of Esau and Jacob that Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, just think with me here for a moment. It seems a little bit superficial. It seems a little bit shallow that a father would love his son solely because he did eat of his venison. 
Uh, now, I'm just saying here, folks. I mean, that seems like you don't have the plow drop too low in the ground. I mean, that's real shallow that he would love his son because he did eat of his venison. I read in my Jewish publication, Society Bible, which it's revered as one of the most authoritative and, and preferred English translations of the Hebrew Bible. It states it as Isaac favored Esau because he had taste, he had a taste for game. And in the footnote, it literally says, because game was in his mouth. The Midrashic explanation of this is that there was hunting in Esau's mouth, meaning that he used his mouth to entrap and to deceive Isaac by his words. I know our traditional thought process concerning Jacob and Esau, Jacob being the deceiver, but it seems as though Esau had a means and way of deceiving as well with his mouth, trapping his father, hunting, if you will, uh, the hunting even that he did as a man of the field in the normal way of life uh, for Esau in his day was going to be by trapping. It was going to be by setting a trap, putting food just there, and, you know, ensnaring, if you will, an animal. It would be by, if we could even say, a mechanism of deception. Oh, here's some nice whatever for you, and the animal goes in, and boom, the box or whatever it is, the net folds upon it. It's by deception and so the scripture is relaying to us that while Jacob is a is a plain man or more properly interpreted a wholesome man that Esau a man his father loved him because Esau is saying things with his mouth that's deceptive to his father making his father none the wiser and so whereas Jacob is a wholesome man dwelling among tents here is Esau a man that is catching people with his words and somewhat deceptive. Jacob is a wholesome man dwelling in tents. Amen. The Bible tells us and even other dictionary and helps tell us, amen, that the meaning of Jacob's name seems to be supplanter. I did a little deeper digging here concerning his name and I understand that the meaning supplanter is really a nuance that's developed from the name that was given to him whenever he grabbed a hold of the heel of his brother Esau as they were exiting the womb. Amen. But in reality, Jacob's name that was given to him simply means that he clutches or he clutched, meaning that Jacob holds on to what he gets a hold of. He holds on to what he gets a hold of. I think we see this pictured at that night at the Jabbok River whenever he was alone by himself and he has that wrestling match with an angel and the Bible says he holds on. He clutches, if you will, the angel and the angel says, you must let me go for the day breaks. But the voice of Jacob was this, is I shall not let you go. We're, we're talking about two different individuals here. We're talking about a man of tents, a plain man, a wholesome man, a man that would clutch a hold of whatever he had a hold of and keep a hold of it, and a man on the other side that is a man of the field, a wanderer, a trapper, not just in the literal sense, but also with his 
mouth. Amen. And so when we consider Jacob dwelling in the tents, there is something special about tents concerning the matriarchs and the patriarchs of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and, and Rebecca and all of these individuals. There was something very special about the tents of the patriarchs, particularly the women. Uh, Sarah's tent. Amen. It is known that whenever the three angels came to visit Abraham and Sarah before they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that the angels asked Abraham, where is your wife? And Abraham said unto them, behold, she's in the tent. Or in another way, it was more plainly in the tent, of course. Like, where else would she be? She is in the tent. But the tent for the matriarchs of Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and these that we read of the Old Testament Scripture, the tent was known to be a place of prayer. The tent was known to be a place of study and meditation and contemplation. In certain types and ways, the tent was a covering of holiness. And so whenever Abraham said, in the tent that was where that great matriarch was that place of prayer and study and meditation and contemplation and interestingly enough whenever we read that the servant went and got a man Rebecca and brought her back to Isaac as she's approaching Isaac the Bible says that she asked the servant who is that man over there in the distance he says that's Isaac the Bible says that she bailed herself or she covered herself this is Rebecca she come from a land of idol worshipers that are not, not, not one to necessarily follow modesty type of restrictions, but it's whenever, or, or prohibitions, but whenever she's seen Isaac, the man she was to marry, the man she was to love, something triggered in her spirit, and she automatically covered herself. And notice what happens next. The Bible tells us that Isaac takes his to-be wife, Rebecca, into the tent of his mother, Sarah. And whenever she got into his tent, the Bible, her tent, the Bible says that Isaac was comforted. There is some of the construction of the Hebrew that basically says this, that whenever Rebecca got into Sarah's tent, that Rebecca assumed the character of Sarah. And so there's this idea and this concept with tents being holiness and prayer and things that are godly and things that are righteous. And so now we have Rebecca that loves the son Jacob. And he's not a man of the field. He's not a wanderer or a trapper. No, he's satisfied just to remain in the tent. He's satisfied just to remain in the tent with mom. He don't have to wonder. He don't have to go anywhere. He says, let me just get a hold of the meditation and the contemplation and the prayer and the holiness that is represented by, by this place right here, just, just let that be my law in life. Perhaps there is no uh, more defining difference between these two boys of Esau and Jacob until we come to the book of Malachi chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 where the Lord says, I have loved you. And he's speaking of Israel. He's speaking of Jacob, if you will. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? He said, was not Esau Jacob's brother? saith the Lord, he said, yet I loved Jacob and I hated Esau. 
and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Even from the very voice of God, not only had he told their mother that there was a war, there were two nations in her womb, there were contrary people in her womb, and that there would be two manner of people that would issue from her womb. We also have him on record saying that he hated Esau, but he loved Jacob. Folks, that is a difference to take note of, that if God would love one and hate the other. God hated Esau because as the story goes in Scripture, Esau hated his birthright. God hates Esau because there is a consensus that even when the Lord lists all of the seven things in the book of Proverbs that the Lord hates, those seven things, that many believe that those character traits and characterizations are things that can identify who and what Esau was. He was totally, if you will, diametric to what the Lord desired, what the Lord wanted. And so Jacob though on the other hand desired what Esau despised. Esau whenever he considered his birthright he said what profit shall this birthright do to me. In other words being the firstborn it was his but Esau belittled his lot in life. Esau belittled his lot in life. He did not like his lot in life. And yet the Bible says the very thing that Esau was belittling, Jacob was saying, I'm willing to buy it if you're willing to sell it. Amen. Jacob found value in what Esau says had no prophet. And so as Esau hunts and as Esau wanders in the field, Jacob is dwelling and settling in a tent and he's trying to clutch a hold of something that is spiritual. Someone say amen. Esau lives for the gratification of the moment, but Jacob lives for the gratification of a lifetime. Esau finds his satisfaction in bread and pottage. Amen. But Jacob finds his in the birthright and in the blessing. Esau wants the blessing. Amen. But he doesn't want the responsibility of the birthright. But Jacob wants the birthright and the responsibility that goes along with it before the blessing is ever available and before it's ever attainable. What are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying these two twins, Jacob and Esau, are definitely two kinds of people. Their fighting began really almost before they were ever even born. And this notable strain was between Jacob and Esau. And that reminds me of some other things in scriptures that are contrary one to another. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse 17, the apostle Paul writing to the church of Galatia, he says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. There's a struggle here. There's a tension here so that you cannot do the things that you would. He says the flesh lusteth against the spirit. What that means is that the flesh desires things that are against the spirit. Amen. And that the spirit 
desires things that are against the flesh. If I can put it in these terms, the Esau's are the man of the field that are wandering upon the earth, which the book of Hebrews says Esau was a profane, unhallowed, a common man. But the spirit wants to take hold and not let go of some things that are of no interest to the flesh. In other words, if it's no interest to Esau, it's probably going to be of interest to Jacob. If Esau will despise it, Jacob is probably going to crave it. Amen. There is a contrary. There is a struggle. There is a flesh and spirit dynamic that if the flesh has no appetite for it, the spirit probably does. But if the spirit is longing and settling and wanting to get a hold of something, then note well that the flesh has no desire or interest or investment in that. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. Because according to the Esau's, according to the flesh, birthrights don't matter. Amen. Amen. Time in the tent of prayer and contemplation do not matter. Paul even said in the book of Romans, he says there are two laws, just as some other things that are contrary, struggling. He said there's two laws. He says I've come to find warring in my members. He says there is the law of God and there is the law of sin. What are you saying, Paul? He's saying there's struggle. There is a tension. Amen. Their desires, the law of God and the law of sin are different. One is stronger than the other. One will even serve the other. Amen. Even as God said, I believe we have in the picture of Jacob and Esau. Amen. A picture of what Paul is speaking of in the New Testament. Whether it be a flesh and spirit or of the law of God and the law of sin. They are two different boys. It may seem as though they came from the same womb, but they have two different desires, two different aspirations, two different goals, two different ambitions. Someone say amen. And so when Jacob left home, the Bible tells us that he passed over Jordan with only a staff in his hand. But upon his return and on the, on the heels of being reunited with Esau, the Bible says and begins to list that now he has wives and children, oxen, asses, Flocks, men servants, maid servants, camels, and the list goes on and on of everything that Jacob has. And as Jacob looks at all the bounty that he has, he attributes all these flocks and these herds and, and the children that he has by these women. He, he attributes this all to the mercies of God. Jacob is saying unto the Lord in this moment that both the animals and the children that he has are a blessing of God in his life. He says, when I point to that lamb, that's because of God. When I point to Joseph over there or, or Naphtali over there that is the blessing the mercy and the grace of God they're my offspring yes and all of these young animals that are sucklings amen from their livestock they're offshoots if you will of my ingenuity and, and these children are part of my seed but most upon most they are the handiwork of God in my life and so everything that Jacob had were the very things he had desired but he felt that they were vulnerable 
on meeting again with this brother that's so different. To see he doesn't esteem the same things that I esteem. I call all this a blessing from God. It's hard telling what he would call it. I call all of this the handiwork of the mercy and grace of God. Hard telling what he would label it. And so with a little bit of uh, 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 vulnerability, he is meeting Esau again. The Bible even tells us, and you can look in Genesis and just use your fingers to go back and forth. But in Genesis 32 and 7, the Bible even states emphatically that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed because he thought about this encounter. He's about ready to have with someone that's so different than him. That has different, if you will, ideas and ideologies and desires. They're twins. But they're different. Amen. The Bible says that as a result of this, that Jacob separates what he has. All of this increase that God has given him, he separates them into two bands thinking that Esau, if he meets one of these bands, he may smite them. Because remember, when they last parted, Esau wanted to kill Jacob. He wanted to kill Jacob. And so he's thinking, if I separate these into a couple of bands, if Esau comes up on the first, he may smite one. Perhaps in doing so, the other would be safeguarded. Perhaps everything wouldn't be lost. If I separate these things, he says in Genesis 32 and verse 11, these are the words of Jacob. Listen to him. You got to hear the, the anguish of his soul. He says, deliver me. He's speaking unto the Lord. I pray thee from the hand of my brother. Deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. God, we don't see eye to eye on things. God, he was in the field and I was in the tent. God, what he gave up, I wanted. I fear, keep me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and, and the mother with the children. And so here's what the Bible says. As a result of all of this, the Bible says that Jacob prepared a present. And this is interesting to me. Jacob prepared a present for Esau in verse number 13. He set aside 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats, 20 ewes, 20, 200 ewes rather, 20 rams, 30 milch camels with their coats, 40 kind, 10 bulls, 10 she-asses, and 10,000. And the Bible, as you read in chapter 32, Jacob thought, if I will present a present to this brother that doesn't think like I do, believe like I do, in alignment with the way that I am, if I will present a present to him, perhaps it will appease Esau. Someone say glory. They're contrary. They're different. One is earthly, one is spiritual. And Jacob, the spiritual, is saying, what can I do to appease the earthly? What kind of present can I prepare to appease the earthly? That which has contrary desires to me. Now, folks, you, you got to understand this. 
moment this because this, this seems of interest to me. The Bible says that as Jacob has all the droves of the people together, he has all the livestock, he has the, he has the, pre, the, the, the present all just so ready for Esau. The Bible says that whenever Jacob actually approaches Esau, amen, to meet him, please just stay here with me for a moment. The Bible says that he bows to Esau seven times. Mm. We got a problem going on here. Because Jacob, you were never meant to be except who you are. And the word of God, even from your mother's womb, was this. Is that the elder shall serve the younger. But you're approaching the elder as a servant. Rather than a Lord. He bows seven times as he approaches Esau. And I want you to look in your Bibles what happens next. The Bible says some of those handmaidens of of, of Rachel and Leah, now they approach Esau. And guess what they do? They take themselves and their children, and when they approach him, they bow. And then the other handmaiden comes up with her children, and they bow. And then here comes along Leah and all of her kids, and they all bow. And then there's Joseph and Rebecca that come. That's all that's there right now. Benjamin's not yet born, and they bow. Someone say amen. And so what what Jacob really has done here is Jacob has set a precedent. He has set a precedent. Amen. Because every other area of his life, wives and children are approaching this Esau that's supposed to be the servant. And they're bowing down to Esau. Amen. Oh, someone say amen. Every attachment, amen, of Jacob's life, every extension of his life is following suit. They are bowing to the thing that doesn't have the desires like they have. They are, if you will, calling him Lord, and they're calling themselves servant. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, read read through the verses today, or tonight, or sometime this week. Every time that Esau addresses Jacob, Esau calls Jacob his brother. But the only time that Jacob calls Esau his brother is when he's talking to people that's already a part of his family and his servants or when he's talking to God but whenever Jacob talks to Esau himself he's all the time calling Esau Lord and calling himself your servant Someone say amen. Folks, there are just some things that should not be. There is a decidable difference between our flesh and our spirit. There is a decidable difference between the law of God and the law of sin. We should never get in our life to think that we got to somehow appease the flesh or appease the law of sin. God has declared it from the very beginning. This old, younger is to have the upper hand over the the elder we are to if you will supersede and have power over our flesh some would say amen but Jacob bows all the wives bow all the children bow and we're setting if you will a misconception about who they were as tent dwellers who they were Concerning being the children of God when they're bowing to Esau and the people of Edom. Someone say amen. I don't know what it was. 
I don't know if it was the dominant personality of Esau. I don't know if it was the demeanor of Esau. Amen. Perhaps Jacob felt like the threat of Esau was still lingering there. Perhaps he'll take my life. But all the while, Jacob is putting himself in the subservient row. And if you will, he has the apologetic posture. Do you understand? He has the apologetic posture to Esau. Because I bought and traded for the birthright you didn't want. Honey, we have no ground to stand on to try to appease something that refused what we have. Jacob, don't be bowing. Don't be apologetic because you stayed in the tent. Don't be apologetic because you're a wholesome man. Don't be apologetic. Don't be apologetic because he was in prayer and contemplation with your mother in the tent. Don't be apologetic because you gave pottage for the birthright. Don't be apologetic because you stood there and allowed the blessing of your father to flow upon your head and your body. Don't be apologetic. I'm telling you, as an apostolic tonight, I have nothing to be apologetic about. They had the same privilege. They had the same opportunity. Esau had the same chance, but he despised it. He rejected it. He refused it. There's no need for us to be apologetic. No, no. God said, God said, Jacob, you will be served. And yet Jacob's assuming the servant position. The struggle continues, doesn't it? The tension rises, doesn't it? Because everything seems to be well. The Bible says as Jacob and Esau meet each other, look what happens here. The Bible says that Esau runs to meet Jacob. He embraces him. He kisses him. And they weep on each other's shoulders. All seems to be well. Listen to me. All will seem to be well between Jacob and Esau. Flesh and spirit. Law of God and law of sin. When everything is slanted toward Esau's direction. Bible says in Genesis 33 and verse number 5 look at it here Esau begins to ask Jacob about the children that he saw Jacob has put strategically his wives and their children in order before him each would meet then Esau at a time Esau asked what is it with all these children that I see Jacob's response listen now this is something you gotta understand about Jacob Jacob's response to him was this God hath graciously graciously given them unto your servant God and he's still using this servant language God has graciously given them to your servant verse number 8 Esau asks another question he says what about all these droves I see all these animals I see all this livestock I, I see some that are mature and some that are that are suckling lambs and rams he said what about all this now look what Jacob says here he says these are to find grace in thy sight my Lord Jacob is looking for grace in the eyes of one that at one time vowed to kill him 
Someone say glory. Well, Brother McGee, Esau did run to him. Esau did embrace him. Esau did kiss him. Isn't everything reconciled? Let me ask you for a little moment if we can cast our eyes into the future. Who knows of another man that maybe wanted to find grace in the eyes of his killer and all his kiss meant was betrayal? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Genesis 33 and verse 10, look at this now. Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, he said, then receive my present at my hand. For therefore, this is a stretch, boys. For therefore, I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God. And thou wast pleased with me. Folks, this is a very contrasting thought to me. As I mean, we ours this morning, really, I was working on this, folks. I got out of bed. I couldn't sleep. So I went to bed somewhere around 3 34 o'clock. And I was reading this. What a contrasting thought to think that Esau's face to Jacob, he's saying, was as though he had seen the face of God. Now, folks, Jacob, not too long ago, had just mentioned about seeing the face of God when he had wrestled with the angel. Wrestling with the angel was though as though he's seen the face of God. That's the reason why he named that place Penel, for I have seen God face to face. But Jacob says, I've seen the face of God. Thou wast pleased with me. What Jacob is really getting at is this. I, I look at your face, Esau, and I'm thinking as though I've seen the face of God. Because both on your face and God's face, I see pleasure. Someone say, Amen. Because on your face and God's face, I see pleasure. Esau, I see on your face that you're pleased with me. Listen, folks. Pleasure alone is not indicative of the face of God. Because there can be worldly and fleshly pleasure. And there can be godly pleasure. <sighs> Jacob, you see pleasure on Esau's face. <laughs> and you have seen pleasure upon God's face in your wrestling match with the angel. But Jacob, the question that you must ask yourself is this. Who are you trying to please? Uh, Esau, when I look at you, it's as though I look at the face of God. Why? Because it was identical to God's face? No, because there's pleasure on your face and pleasure on God's face. Then you got to ask Jacob, who am I trying to please? Am I trying to please Esau, the man of the field, the despiser, the birthright of God? Or am I trying to please God, the very creator of my soul, the one to whom I pray, the one that gives the blessing of the birthright to mankind? Who? Let me tell you something. If there's ever pleasure on Esau's face, you are beginning to fall out of pleasure with the Lord. If the law of sin has pleasure on its face concerning you, that's not a place you want to be in. If the flesh has a face of pleasure towards you, that's not a spot you want to be in. Oh, someone say amen. Genesis 33 and verse 11. Look what Jacob says. This is mind-boggling to me. He says, take, talking to Esau, I pray thee, look, my blessing that is brought to thee because God hath dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. And he urged him 
And the Bible says he took it. Look here at Jacob, folks. Using all this Lord and servant language. Seeming somewhat appeased that Esau's appeased and that there's pleasure on his face. He says unto Esau, take my blessing. Someone say amen. You go back a few chapters. You go back where the blessing of the Lord was disposed upon Jacob and upon Esau. And you will read in Genesis 27 verse 36. That Esau told his father Isaac, he said, Jacob has taken my blessing. I ask you tonight, did he really? Because the blessing that was disposed in that moment was a blessing that was connected to the birthright. And when Esau gave up and despised the birthright, he let go of the blessing. Oh, when he traded some bread and pottage for the birthright, he no longer had any foothold concerning the blessing. And so what I'm trying to rise, if I could shout all the way back in the Old Testament, I'm trying to tell Jacob right now, Jacob, don't you be stooping right now. Jacob, don't you be bowing right now. Hey Amen. You desired what Esau forfeited. And while Esau was hunting or trapping, you were dwelling in the tents. And the blessing, amen, of Esau on this wise was that thou shalt serve thy brother. That was the blessing put upon Esau by his father. You're going to serve your brother. You're going to serve Jacob. And Jacob, amen, you're going to be made Esau's Lord. So Jacob, don't you dare try to make, if you will, an exchange right now with Esau and say take my blessing no 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 he gave that blessing up years ago he gave up that blessing when he let go of the birthright and he dismissed the responsibility and he he says take take my blessing and the Bible says Esau took it Esau took it now look now and I, I'm getting there, folks. I'm really trying. Look now. What Esau suggests. Jacob says, take my blessing. He's prepared a present, trying to appease him. Blah, blah, blah. Esau took it. And now look what Esau suggests. He says, why don't we go on our journey together? Let us go. I want to get the wording just right there in verse number verse number 12. Let us take our journey. Esau speaking to Jacob. Let us go. Look how he, what he does right here. And I will go before thee. In other words, Jacob, the one that's supposed to be Lord, I'll, I'll lead. You follow. When you prepare presents for Esau, when you find pleasure in the face of Esau, it won't be long. He'll be telling you, let me lead and I'll allow you to follow. If you're trying to appease the flesh, if you're trying, if you will, rub shoulders with the law sin, it won't be long. The law of sin will tell the law of God, 
follow me. It won't be long until the flesh kills the spirit. Follow me. We'll take this journey together. Just let me lead. Everybody's been all right? You said, well, Brother McGee, Esau didn't kill Jacob. Esau didn't come with any type of vengeance in the heart, it seems. He didn't kill, he didn't kill Jacob. Listen, folks, there's no need for Esau to kill Jacob when Jacob's trying to appease him with gifts and being apologetic for taking the blessing that Esau rejected in the first place. There's no need to kill when Jacob is calling Esau Lord. There's no need to kill whenever he's calling himself thy servant. There's no need to snuff out Jacob if he'll hand over the blessing God has bestowed upon his life without a word. But there's something in this moment. Something triggers in the spirit of Jacob. This wholesome man, tent dwelling, this man that desired what what Esau refused, something triggered inside of him. His sensibilities were, were restored and he realized what was happening. And he also realized, more importantly, that Esau understood what was happening. Someone say amen. Look what he says in verse 13. And he said unto him, Esau, my Lord knoweth that the children are tender. He says, I understand this. He says, but I understand something else. You know this too. He says, the children, he said, are tender. He said, they're tender. They're, they're, they're delicate. He said, they, they need gentle care. We've already been on a journey for several days through some rough terrain. And these are the extensions. These are the products of the grace of God. These are the products of the blessing of God upon my life. And they're delicate and they're tender and, and they need gentle care. If you will, they're, they're still immature and, and they're frail and they're kids. They're impressionable. Matter of fact, at this time, most say that the eldest son that, that, that Jacob had at this time was probably around 13 years old, and the youngest was about six years old. And so he has a dynamic from 13 years old to six year old, and all these ages in between. These are tender, they're gentle, they're delicate, but even more than just being physically tender, that word even describes to us of the fact that they're tender even still yet in their values. In other words, Esau, I, I, I don't know if they're really ready to withstand the compromising influence that you might have in this journey. Amen. If I travel with you and I allow you to lead, I know this for certain. You will have no regard for these God-given things, amen, that God has given me because you had no regard for the birthright that God gave you. I can't expect you to have more respect for something that God gave me when you had no respect for what God gave you. I, I, can't, I can't do this. He says, Here, here's the thing, Esau. He says, if, if I let you lead and if I follow you even for a day, look at the Bible there in our scripture text. If even for a day and you were to overdrive us and you were to overdrive the flocks and you were to overdrive the children, then I would chance everything God has graciously, amen, given me. If just even for a solitary... 
preach that for a little while. If even for if a solitary day I allowed you to lead, I might chance everything God has got. Someone needs to get that in their spirit tonight. We're not talking about weeks, months, and years. We got to come down to the realization that if even for a solitary day, if we would allow the flesh to lead or the law of sin to lead or Esau to lead, we could very easily perchance lose all of the gracious extensions and the bounty that God has put upon our lives of being hosts of men and women, dwellers of tents, prayer warriors, people that know how to sing. if even for a day I might risk them being compromised I, I may risk them perishing all together and so here in this moment arises the younger of the two here in this moment arises in reality the leader Jacob of the two he says then Esau <laughs> you go ahead I like it I like it in verse 14, he says, you go ahead, go ahead and go to the mount that you came from. Go ahead and go back to your homeland. But note what Jacob does not say. Sometimes it's just important to see what somebody doesn't say in the scripture as what they do say. Jacob does not say, you go ahead and I'll follow. That's not what he said. He says, no, you go ahead in that direction you want to go with your 400 band of men. And he says, I'll lead on softly. I'm going to lead on in such a way that everything that God graciously gave me will be intact whenever this journey is over. Because I'm not all about the quick and I'm not about the hurried. I'm about finishing with what I've accumulated along. Oh, God, I want to finish with all my sons, with all my daughters. I want to finish with my wives. I want to finish with my family. I want to finish with my livestock. I want to finish with the bounty that God has invested and blessed. But if I just follow you one day, I can lose it all. But I want to finish with everything that God has given me. I'm going to lead on softly. I'm going to lead on slowly. The way in which I walk and, and how I go heretofore is going to be governed by the consideration of those things that God's given me. I'm going to go according to the feet of the flock. I'm going to go according to the endurance of these promises of God, these children that he's given me. I'm going to lead Esau in such a way that hopefully nothing will be lost from what I consider to be the grace of God. I know when we first met that I wanted to find grace in your sight. But Esau, you've come too late because I realize I've already found grace in his sight. Someone say yes. And everything Esau had received at the hand of the Lord, it's been a product of his grace. And I don't want to mishandle. I don't want to mishandle what he's given to me. So I, I'm going to lead at a pace comparable to his grace. You just go on. 
Folks, when you're born of the water and the spirit, when that name of Christ put on you in baptism, when you speak an unknown tongue as the spirit gives the utterance, there's a separation that takes place at that birth. There's a Jacob and an Esau that, that, that assumes the terrain. One is earthly, but the other one is wholesome. One is mindful of the trappings, if you will, of the world. But the other one is a dweller of the prayerful and the contemplation of the tent. And the separation that happens at birth is a separation that needs to continue to death. There needs to be no thoughts or feelings of trying to appease or present or find pleasure in the other one's face. Jacob says, I don't want to count any losses. Esau, as well as I, you know the fragility of what I have. Oh, God. That pricks my heart when I think about how Jacob told Esau, the kids are tender and you know it. How do you know that these things that were graciously given to me by God are tender? How do you know that, Esau? Because I had a birthright that was given to me by God. And because of no consideration. Because of no consideration. Because I had a pace that needed gratification in the moment. Because of no consideration for what God had given me. I'm standing here today empty handed without birthright. And the blessing that God gave you. He says I understand that they're tender. I understand that they're He says you know because you've been right where I was Esau. But I refuse to make the same decisions that you made. Or find myself in the same state that you are. I'm going to go on softly and tenderly. And we're going to finish this with everything that I had today. preaching too long you go at your pace Esau I'll go at my pace now here's the thing folks now, now, I'm, man what got into me here he says according to the cattle this is the children before me as they're able to endure but look at this he says, you, you lead on softly. You lead on, and I'm going to lead on my own way. But he says, until I come unto my Lord, unto Sierra. Now, wait a minute. Where Esau was located was outside of the promised land of God. Jacob, when the Lord spoke to Jacob, the admonition to Jacob from the Lord was this. Go back to the land that you left from. Get back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. Esau, you're from Mount Seir. That's your homeland. That's what I've given to you. That's, that's you and your people, the Edomites. He's going back there. But Jacob says, he says, I'm going to go on softly until I come unto my Lord unto Seir. There's no record in the scripture here in Genesis or even going forward from there of Jacob ever going to Mount Seir. However, we have this passage and stand with me. This really could help me and you. This is a, you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours type of relationship. 
We never have any record of him going back to Mount Seir. But we do have this passage from a minor prophet, the book of Obadiah. I know everybody goes there and probably reads from Obadiah every week. That one chapter, right? But Obadiah 1 and verse 21, the Bible says this, prophetic from the lips of Obadiah. It says, and saviors shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. That's the Mount of Seir. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. When the rabbis say this, that Jacob in Genesis was referring to the time in the future that the prophet Obadiah was prophesying about. That the Jews, or if you will, the descendants of Jacob would in a future day capture Mount Seir as a part of the process of redemption of the Jewish people and that they would judge that mountain of Esau, of the earthly, of the wanderers and the trappers. Quite frankly... Geography-wise, Mount Sierra and Mount Zion stand virtually one against each other geographically. In other words, that Mount of Zion that is denoted for Jacob and his people is almost set in contrast to the Mount Sierra of Esau. On one mount, we have the one who accepted the birthright that this mountain over here Rejected in contrast. And the Bible, you can read in the book of Joshua that even Mount Seir is mentioned as being the edge or the border of the allotment of the land of Judah. It's not included in Judah, but it's a demarcation to know where the land of Judah is. And it just mentions it. The Bible even tells us that God told the Israelites and those of Jacob, He says, I will not give Seir. And to the children of Israel. I'll not give it to Jacob. I'll not even allow them a foot breath in the land of the Mount of Seir. Because I've reserved that for the descendants of the one who despised my birthright. What are you saying, Brother McGee? Jacob's saying, I'm going to keep going on softly until someday I stand on Mount Zion. And we assume Mount Sierra and we judge it for everything that those people have been. He says, when I visit you, I'm not coming to appease. I visit you, we're coming with a hand of judgment. Here's something that we all just come to terms with very quickly in our hearts and minds online tonight as well. That the inheritance of Jacob... And the inheritance of Esau don't coincide. That the inheritance of the flesh and the inheritance of the spirit don't coincide. That the law of God and the law of the spirit, they do not coincide. They have been separated at and they will be separated through death. They stand side by side, perhaps, but in stark contrast. This is what the Spirit of the Lord says in Deuteronomy 2, verses 4 through 5. I'm so sorry. 
He says, and command thou the people, saying, this is years later whenever they're going to enter into lands of promise. He says, command the people, saying, all these Jews, all these descendants, if you will, of Jacob. He says, ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau. What did he say? So you're not to dwell there. You're to pass through there. Which dwell in Seir. Look now, and they shall be afraid of you. Take ye good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Look what he says, verse 5. Meddle not with them. For I will not give you of their land, no, not so much as a footbread, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. So years later, years later, as the Israelites and the sons of Jacob are entering the promised land, the Bible says that the children of Esau are afraid of Israel. Wow, there's just a turnaround in my spirit. Because whenever Jacob was going to be reunited with Esau, Jacob was the one afraid. He was the one bowing. He was the one saying, Lord, I'm your servant. What can I do to appease you? But as his children, someone hear me? As his children that he moved softly with, that he moved softly with because they were tender and didn't allow Esau to lead those kids now are passing through Esau's land and there's not fear in their eyes and there's not a trembling in their step but Esau's afraid because he understands what he's forfeited and he understands that truly the younger has become the Lord over the elder so what's the difference Pastor McGee the difference is this it's a man that decides to lead softly Rather than being a man that decides to follow hurriedly and keeping true to the desires of the tent, to the desires of wholeness, to the desires of the things that be of God, and understanding that every extension in these Christian lives that we have, that's because of God's grace, that's because of God's mercy, and He's entrusted something to me. That I must go according to their ability to go. Because in the end, I want to finish with all my cards on the table. And nothing having been lost. It'll happen if you separate at birth, separate through life, and stay separated even unto death. Let's just bow our heads all across this place tonight. There may be someone under the sound of my voice tonight that you're scratching your head with a somewhat confusion because you have witnessed pleasure upon your Lord's face. But somehow you see equal pleasure upon the face of your flesh or the face of your past or the face of your old life. Sir, ma'am, please do not be duped. Please do not be taken advantage of. You don't want to get into a place where your flesh smiles upon you or where they're appeased by your actions. If I could say it quite frankly, there's nothing wrong with Esau wanting to kill Jacob. There's nothing wrong with Esau not liking Jacob. 
because the reality of the matter is this God really doesn't care much for Esau but he loves Jacob who are you trying to please tonight who are you trying to please these altars are open thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day.